You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. Komodo dragon welcoming party. Holy smokes, this is going to be an adventure. Excuse me. I never really understood the potential danger that I was getting myself into. I never quite realised that these two giant goannas saw me as a food source. And as I approached, unknowingly, they just struck straight at me, going for my calf muscles, trying to pull them out. Their teeth are like razors. One bite, one laceration, and I'd bleed out and be dead in an instant. The smell of blood would send other dragons into a frenzy, and they'd come from everywhere. Holy smokes, that was too close. And welcome back to another installment of the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul, I'm your co-host, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Today we are talking about Komodo (laughs) Dragons. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Biochemists may have discovered a type of antibiotic that sounds like something out of a fairy tale. It is based on dragon blood. Scientists from George Mason University recently isolated a substance in the blood of a Komodo dragon that appeared to have powerful germ-killing abilities. Inspired by the discovery, they created a similar chemical in the lab and dubbed it Dragon One. Tests on mice that were given skin wounds infected with two different types of bacteria showed that Dragon One did three things. It punched holes in the bacteria... It dissolved the biofilms that glue the bacteria together, and it sped skin healing. Ooh. Yeah. The researcher's study was published last week in the fascinating-sounding journal Biofilms and Microbiomes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> the work was actually paid for by the military, nice. by the Defense Department. Well, they would probably be interested. Now, the discoverers of Dragon One are seeking drug industry backing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more bacteria are developing resistance to existing drugs. And so the lead authors of the study, they're studying crocodiles and monitor lizards and Komodo dragons because they get in fights a lot and they live in really filthy environments. And they can survive things like even losing limbs uh, without getting infections. So they want to know what is in this blood that is helping them to do that. The researchers had to find a Komodo dragon in a zoo to get a blood sample. So they found a zoo in St. Augustine where the keepers were brave enough to extract about a tablespoon of blood from a Komodo dragon without anesthesia. Dang, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Hats off to them. So the antibiotic of the future might just come from a Komodo dragon. That really sounds like a graphic novel, doesn't it? Like the whole thing that you just described. (laughs) It does. All of it just sounds like a graphic novel. (laughs) 
It sounds like the uh, the beginnings of a supervillain's origin story. It really, really does. Maybe it is. We were trying to synthesize <laughs> Dragon One in the laboratory. We failed. <laughs> so yeah, and that might be the nicest thing we're going to say for the rest of the podcast. So just as a warning to you listeners... Komodo dragons are really super gross, and <laughs> we are, are going to be, well, we're going to be describing some pretty gnarly stuff for pretty much the rest of this episode, with the exception of a couple of spots. So, if you're squeamish, or if you're eating lunch, or if you can't handle blood and guts and gore, maybe this is not the episode for you. You can go listen to the otters episode, or the chickens episode, or the beavers episode, but, you know, if you can't, if you don't like blood and guts... Eh, maybe skip this one. It's okay. We don't blame you. Yeah, Komodo dragons are icky, okay? Just trust us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, oh. I forget what you told me in Slack. They're the nastiest vertebrate in the animal kingdom or something like that, and they really are. <laughs> They're so gross. They're awful. <laughs> ah, nature red in tooth and claw and icky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scientific term, icky stuff. Yeah, icky. It's just icky. <laughs> okay, so just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. Our icky notes for today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are also on Twitter, and that would be at Varmint's Podcast, all one word, and at Varmint's Podcast, gmail at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, suggestions. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. And now let's learn about icky old Komodo dragons. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about the Komodo dragon today, also known as the Komodo monitor, but more commonly known as the Komodo dragon it's a large species of lizard, well, that's putting it mildly, found in the Indonesian islands of Komodo, of course, Rinka, Flores, Gili Montag, and Pedar, which are places that I have never heard of until today. A member of the monitor lizard family, Varinidae, there are only two other members of that particular family. One is Megalania, which has been extinct for a very, very long time. And there's also the crocodile monitor lizard that's related to the Komodo dragon. Uh, males are called Komodo dragons. Females are also called Komodo dragons. Their babies are also called uh, baby Komodo dragons. <laughs> and a group of Komodo dragons is called... Are you ready for this? Yes. A group of Komodo dragons is called... Holy crap, there's a group of Komodo dragons! <laughs> Followed by run. Run! <laughs> run! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll talk a little bit about, uh, more about their size in a few minutes, but just think great big lizard and you're pretty much there with a Komodo dragon. I kind of feel after studying these guys, like if I am near a Komodo dragon and there's not a thick pane of glass between me and it, then I have to question my life choices. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, I'm going to just take the listeners in for a couple of minutes on on kind of how we do research and how the sausage is made here at the podcast. Yeah. We have a general show outline so that we each know what the other person is going to be talking about, but we don't share detailed show notes with each other. So this is one of those cases where I could have done research on something that I have a preconceived notion about, and I didn't because I would rather hear it from Donna. Now, I was always taught and I was always under the impression that Komodo dragon's mouths and saliva is so dirty and filled with bacteria and noxious that all they have to do is bite you once and that they'll follow you around for days and days until you drop over of whatever constellation of infections that you get from that one bite. Now, how close am I on that? You're a, you shouldn't feel bad about thinking that because everybody does. Study I'm going to talk about today was done by a guy called Brian Fry from the University of Queensland. So what he said was, the explanation you're talking about is found in textbooks, wildlife documentaries, zoo placards, and more. And it's also wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's good reason why they thought that. And I just want to say, this is one of these things, you know how people are always like, teach the controversy about science. Well, this is something that's actually controversial. This is, a, this is a thing where scientists have differing points of view, and there are some that are hanging on to this old explanation, like it, you know, with grim death and determination. No, it's the bacteria. But the new explanation is that they actually have venom, a very powerful venom. Somebody venom, stuck them. Like a yeah, snake. Yeah, wow. they, stuck a, they stuck a Komodo dragon in a medical scanner and found, lo and behold, Huge venom glands that are loaded with toxins that lower blood pressure, cause massive bleeding, prevent clotting, and reduce shock, or induce shock. So rather than using bacteria as venom, which takes forever and just doesn't kind of make any sense if you think about it. It's it's like, what? How is that supposed to work? <laughs> I mean, if you, th- I thought about it, I sat down and thought about how effective that would be as a how you get food measure and just maybe it works on an island i don't know but it does seem like well the other komodo dragons might get your kill that way that seems a little risky okay so anyway that's just my opinion man it's got nothing to do with the science but it was just the (laughs) article made me think think the whole thing through think the explanation through a little bit more um so it could be that both of the things are happening maybe the bacteria does have some impact over you know, whether these animals, how quickly they die or whatever. But it does sound like the venom, with what I think the article said, it had, they have 600 deadly chemicals in their venom. No way, dude. <laughs> so ah. that might, might have wow. a little bit to do with it. <laughs> so they found the levels of the bacteria in their mouths, they also found are lower, lower than what you'd get for a captive mammalian carnivore, such as a lion or a Tasmanian devil, like in a zoo. So they're actually really clean animals, and that's another nail in the coffin of them uh, using bacteria as a weapon. One of the explanations for when we see the long streams of drool dripping out of their mouths, they're like, ah, their survival is full of bacteria. Well, one thing that happens is they have jaggedy teeth and they don't use dental floss. So they probably have rotting (laughs) chunks of meat in their teeth that are attracting bacteria like it would. And that's probably where a lot of those bacteria comes from. So, Wow. 
But anyway, I'm going to put the study on the page for everybody to look at, and you can, as always, I encourage you to read the article and see who you believe, but it does sound like one of those things in science that happens every once in a while where the former hypothesis is no longer supported and needs to be trashed and updated with the new findings. That happens sometimes. So It does, yeah. And science is great because when it's working, people go, I was wrong. <laughs> yep. Like Stephen Hawking said, you know, they're like all that stuff I said about black holes, that was probably not right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it takes some guts to do that. So it's not always easy. Scientists are human, but it does sound like this is uh, the better explanation. Powerful venom. Not wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. It yeah. Was. So if you think about it, you can like uh, what they were doing in the article is it, it talks about them uh, looking at their habits in the zoo and testing all of it in a zoo and stuff. So. They, they did plenty to try to figure this out, and it it, it sounds like it's it's going to be held up pretty well, supported pretty well. So, yeah, everything they have to do, like as far as research on Komodo dragons, they pretty much have to do in a zoo because they are they're either vulnerable or they're endangered where they're at. Yep, yeah, they are. Yep. So exactly. you can't go to Indonesia and just start messing around with wild Komodo dragons. You no. wouldn't want to do that anyway for any no. reason. They're so dangerous. <laughs> they really are. Komodo dragons are the largest living lizards in the world. Some people will say that a crocodile is the largest living lizard, and they are wrong because crocodiles are crocodilians. Komodo dragons are lizard, and they are the biggest one. Their unusually large size is generally attributed to island giantism. They are the apex predator. There's no other carnivorous animals that compete with them in their remote island home, and they get all the prey. Yep. So an average adult male will weigh about 200 pounds or about 91 kilograms and measure eight and a half feet long, or 2.59 meters. That's the average male. Ugh. An average female will weigh... Uh, up to 161 pounds or 73 kilograms and measure seven and a half feet long or 2.29 meters. That's averages. It's amazing. Yeah, they're really big. The largest verified wild Komodo dragon measured 3.13 meters or about 10 and a quarter feet. And it weighed a whopping 166 kilos or about 366 pounds. Oh my gosh. Now, since we're going to get into their diet, but Komodo dragons can eat up to 80% of their body weight in one meal. So this specimen, this great big one, was probably heavy because of an undigested meal in his belly. But still, that's he was really, really long compared to the average Komodo dragon. Oh my gosh. Most people have seen Komodo dragons like on nature documentaries and they, they're kind of big and slow and lumbering and you might think that you can just run away from a Komodo dragon. And yeah. you would be you would be wrong. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yes. Even the big ones are capable of running rapidly in brief sprints up to twenty kilometers an hour or twelve miles an hour. If you don't think 12 miles an hour is fast, trust me, being able to run 12 miles an hour, you might not be able to do that. And you, and you think, okay, well, that's fine. I'll just climb a tree. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Smaller Komodo dragons can climb trees, even little ones. And if they can't climb the tree, guess what? They're just going to wait at the bottom of the tree for you to come down because you're going to have to do that sometime. <laughs> And you might think, well, I can't climb a tree. I'll run towards the water and I'll get in the water. They can't chase me there. Uh -huh. 
And you would be wrong because <laughs> <laughs> Komodo dragons are very, very good swimmers. They swim in between islands and they can dive up to 15 feet underwater. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> if a Komodo dragon decides that it wants to eat you, it's going to eat you. <laughs> Fortunately, that doesn't happen very often, but uh, at times it, it has happened. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Ugh. Scary. Yes. Hey, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows that it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we are going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, Donna, how intelligent do you think Komodo dragons are? The mighty Komodo dragon! Is a moron. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. I think they're two. I, I, I gave him a two also, yeah. and I think I was being generous because they just seem like a mindless killing machine. They just sort of don't really solve problems. They just kind of barrel through them, which may be a way of solving a problem. But no, they pretty much just eat, sleep, eat things again, mate, and then sleep and then die. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just nope. great. There's nothing wrong with that. I just want to make sure that I reiterate. I, do, I don't think Varma's podcast cares. We don't have any, you know, we don't have a Komodo dragon in the fight about whether an animal is intelligent <laughs> or not. It's not important to us that they be intelligent. But yeah, these guys, no. are pretty, these guys are pretty dumb. They're just doing their Komodo dragon thing. Yep. Yep. Two. <laughs> They're a little smarter than like a single-celled organism. <laughs> that's the impression we got, and that's our opinion, man. So. That's our opinion, man. Yeah. All right, we are going to talk about Komodo dragons and pop culture and a couple other things, and we're going to do that right after this commercial. You ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? You ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock! And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd podcast, where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions. This is a full spoiler podcast, and we swear a lot. Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. Jockandnerd.com. Jockandnerd! And now for something completely different. Hey, you know, me and Donna, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And I am going to start with Dr. Kurt Connors, the Lizard, a Marvel comic supervillain usually depicted as an enemy of Spider-Man. Canon is that Dr. Connors was a genetic biologist who researched the ability of certain reptiles to grow missing limbs partially to find a way to regenerate his right arm that he lost. I think he got it bit off by a crocodile, maybe, but I'm not sure. So after a test on himself, he transforms into a violent lizard monster. And even though he can revert to his human form, he suffers occasional fits of his alter ego breaking free. Kind of like the Hulk, except a bad guy. Mm -hmm. The lizard first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 6, which was in 1963. He was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. He is usually depicted as a large, bright green lizard in a very clean white lab coat. And that seems to kind of grow with him, much like the Hulk's purple pants. He has a lot in common with the Hulk. I always wondered how that lab coat 
stayed so nice and white and crisp and clean while he's running through, you know, swamps and sewers and that kind of thing. <laughs> and he is number 62 on IGN's list of the top 100 comic book villains. And I got this fun little clip here from the 1967 Spider-Man animated series. Dr. Curtis Connor, Reptile Research Laboratory. Now, I always say the first step in fighting a lizard is to get advice from an authority. Look at the size of that. First, I'll interview Dr. Connor. You'll never reach Dr. Connor's laboratory. I'll see to that. Uh oh, my spider sense is tingling. I'm being watched. I don't like this. It's too quiet. My spider sense tells me. Uh oh. <laughs> I like that part. It, my spider sense tells me bubble, bubble, bubble. It's like, did he just, did he just poop his pants or what's yeah. going on there? I soiled my armor. I was so scared. <laughs> I know he's called the lizard. He's not called the Komodo dragon. And there are actually a couple other superheroes that are called Komodo that are related to Kurt Connors. They actually use the same serum, I guess, that... Uh, Dr. Connors used. Komodo character, she used the same serum, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. So I, I kind of felt a little bit like I was, you know, like this was kind of a cop out because, but I was happy to find out that in the 2012 Amazing Spider-Man movie, if you remember, they had the lizard in that movie. And the people that did the CGI for that lizard actually did a lot of research on Komodo dragons when they were designing that character. So I felt a little bit better about that. Isn't he drawn like a Komodo dragon these days? Like now he's... He's drawn much more like a Komodo dragon, yes. I don't know how recently they've had him in stuff, but Curtis, the boyfriend, said uh, when he first appeared, he didn't look like a Komodo dragon, but he really does now, so... No, he looked actually in this 1967 uh, animated clip, which we'll put in the show notes. He looks more like an alligator or a crocodile with a maybe a shorter snout. But he looks much more like a Komodo dragon now. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, I love his voice, too. So when we were doing media research to find out if there was any Komodo dragons in pop culture, I really was surprised to find anything at all. I didn't think there'd be anything. And I found something really weird. Really weird. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there, so I didn't know this. Apparently, there were a series of video games of the Pink Panther, three of them, and one of them was called Hocus Pocus Pink. Right? Okay, sure. Um, it takes place after the Pink Panther passport to peril. He gives okay. up his he gives up his life as an agent and gets a job as a door-to-door -door salesman and his leisurely life gets interrupted as Nathan, son of the lunatic dentist Dr. Periwinkle, <laughs> <laughs> steals utensils from the magician Strangeblood and accidentally transforms the little girl Violet into a wombat. 
<laughs> so if you're thinking this is not related to Komodo dragons, you would be right. But apparently during the course of the adventure, which I have not played, you will encounter this situation and hear the following song. I never want to hurt nobody, baby. Maybe you can say it's kind of in my nature. Yeah. See, I'm equipped with serrated sharp teeth. Deadly saliva makes my bite smell less than sweet. Swallow my prey whole That means hoofs, coat, and gizzard Do not attempt To adjust your monitor Lizard <laughs> 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 dragons Just lived in fairy tales I'm here to tell you that ain't so If you thought that dragons Just lived in fairy tales dragons in Komodo. <laughs> <laughs> that is so oh, fun. That's funny. Yep. Oh my gosh. Don't adjust your monitor, lizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I great. wonder if the musicians that were hired to sing that were like, what? <laughs> what? What is this? What? Yep. Yeah. But it, I, yeah. Again, I don't know how it's related to the content of the video game because I haven't played it. But pretty funny. That's where it's from. So, Burp. cute. We we also found a couple of things which I will put on the site, even though uh, there's not much to talk about. There's two different artists that did renditions of the pun kimono dragon kimono dragon <laughs> <laughs> kimono dragon wearing a kimono and holding a parasol There's two different artists that did this concept and they're both really funny so I'll put them on the show notes so you can go that, look at their work that is fantastic yes I like to eat oh I like to eat too Donna would you eat kimono dragon uh, maybe but I wouldn't seek out the experience on purpose <laughs> I would not. There's no way you could get me to eat Komodo dragon. Hmm. Not in a million years. Well, really? part of the... Well, yeah, because part of the reason is that they are endangered. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then I'm going to have to change my answer to no because they're endangered. But if they weren't endangered, sure, I'd probably try them. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because of their diet, they are endangered. And it's interesting. It's kind of interesting the reason that they are endangered. It's because... It's not because of hunting. People don't hunt and kill Komodo dragons. Even when they attack humans, they really don't, like we do over here in, in America, like if somebody gets attacked by an animal, the first thing that people want to do is go out and hunt the animal and kill it. And they don't really do that over there where the Komodo dragons live. The only well, that's reason... reasonable because it's really hard to catch the animal that done the deed and they don't understand <laughs> yeah. the concept of vengeance anyway. So, Yeah, exactly. In fact, the people that live over there revere the Komodo dragons so much that they won't even hunt the deer and the boar that the Komodo dragon eat. They won't hunt the, the Komodo dragon's food, which is Aww. pretty cool. Yeah. That is very cool. The reason that they're endangered is because of human encroachment. And as humans, you know, reproduce and grow up and buy homes and need places to live, they kind of encroach on the Komodo dragon's territory. Aww. And the Komodo dragon's prey's territory. And so that habitat becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Aww, so you get less Komodo dragons. And that's why they're in trouble. Yeah. But because of their 
nasty diet, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I, I don't think I could ever eat Komodo dragon in any form. Blech. No way, dude. Well, you said you would eat a raven and they eat carrion too. Uh, I might have to you rethink did. that. You I did. might have to rethink that. Re- I mean, a chicken would eat carrion too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Donna. Yeah. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yes. Good. Well, let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. So Komodo dragons get a substantial part of their diet from eating smaller Komodo dragons. About 10% of their diet comes from this sort. Well, that explains why they're endangered. Come on, guys. Now, this isn't particularly an unusual activity for animals. There, especially le- reptiles, will eat their own babies a lot of the time, if uh, if given half a chance. Oh no! They don't, they don't oh have my a... God! <laughs> a lot of sharks will do that too and stuff. They don't they don't recognize them as their children. They don't have a mothering instinct. <laughs> oh, a lot gosh. of them. Some reptiles do uh, have oh. a protective instinct for their kids, but but some of them don't. And this one oh. doesn't. Look, I just gave birth to an appetizer. Hmm. <laughs> uh, they lay eggs in the sand, and the baby dragons have a special... I didn't get to follow up and find out exactly what this is all about, but they apparently have a special tooth that grows when their babies called an egg tooth, whose sole purpose is to get them out of their eggshells. So yes. they break out with the egg tooth. And then they hit the bricks and they run as fast as they can for the trees. And <laughs> they get up in the trees. <laughs> most of them don't make it. So I oh. don't remember what the numbers were, but most of them don't make it. But uh, they will be eaten by other Komodo dragons on the way to the trees. It's the ones that get up into the trees that live. And they spend their babyhood eating insects and trying to stay out of the way of birds that might eat them and stuff like that. Oh, no. Yeah, until they get too heavy to be in the trees. And then that's the most dangerous part of their life when they are sort of juveniles and they're a couple feet long and they're too heavy to be in the tree. (laughs) Then they have to get down on the ground and kind of avoid being eaten by the big ones. Oh, man. Um, But they're fast when they're that small, though. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a little bit helpful. Yeah, so they can run away and and stuff like that. But, um, yep, they are. Komodo dragons are cannibals. And they get a lot of calories from that, so... Yeah, yeah, I know. It makes humans go, ugh, but that's what they do. <laughs> Speaking of humans, mm. so a lot of their diet comes from carrion, which is dead, dead things, dead mm. things, which yeah. is a good strategy because dead things don't fight back or run away. Yeah. And that makes it convenient for the Komodo dragon. You can just you don't have to expend calories chasing stuff down if it's just laying there dead. No, you just walk up and tuck into the dead thing. That's right. Occasionally... They will consume humans and, unfortunately, human corpses. And they will—they have been known to dig up bodies from shallow graves. And so the villagers of Komodo have had to move their graves from sandy to clay ground and then pile rocks on top of that clay to deter the lizards. It doesn't really stop the lizards because they can still dig down there. But, uh, yeah, Komodo dragons are grave robbers and they will eat people. Which <laughs> oh, my is, gosh. Yeah, it's... They, that's that's pretty bad when you've laid your loved one to rest and then you you go out the next day and there's a Komodo dragon gnawing on his leg. Uh, Not good. Terrible. terrible. Attacks uh. on living humans are pretty rare and usually it's the human's fault. There's just a case or two where people and unfortunately sometimes children have, have gotten in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
But there's also a lot of cases where people were careless or just stupid, and that has gotten people either killed or severely injured by these lizards. I was reading an article about a man who is a photographer that used to be married to the actress Sharon Stone. And he and his wife, this got a lot of news coverage at the time, they had gone over to Indonesia to study and photograph these Komodo dragons, and they had gotten permission from a zoo to get into an enclosure with, I think, two Komodo dragons, at least two. Oh, why? Because he wanted to get nice photographs of the, of the, of the cute little Komodo dragons. So he's in the enclosure with these dragons and with his wife and with the keepers. And, he's, and he, he decides that he's going to take off his shoes and socks. Yeah. And you can guess what happens next. <laughs> I think he actually lost part of his foot in that. And he was sick for a long time because of the infection that, that settled. And he actually did get an infection from the bite. Yeah. And uh, he was in rough shape for a while, which was just dumb like don't do that uh, people are humans are just unimaginably dumb sometimes especially when it comes to wild animals you know a couple hundred years ago our ancestors would have been like are you nuts animals are dangerous <laughs> stop that but we're so disconnected from that world now that it's pretty easy to just go to yellowstone or any national park and watch some dummy walking up to a bison like dooby doo i'm gonna get a close-up of the <laughs> buffalo <laughs> yeah well that sounds like that kind of situation you know yeah that zoo did have to like change its policy on who they would let in which enclosure they decided that maybe letting photographers into to to uh, photograph the komodo dragons was not a good idea after all and to this guy's credit like, he did not try to, to sue the zoo. He didn't get his lawyer on the phone. He just dealt with it like a man and said, well, Good. my bad. Good. Yeah. Well, I just can't imagine even why a zookeeper would get in the enclosure with the dragon. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't either. I mean, I don't th we have them in the Denver Zoo, and I don't think our zookeepers get in with them. No, they, they. I don't think they could. I think they close the gates in their little interior area and clean it up and put their food out and stuff and then get out of there and then they open. When they have to clean the enclosure, they open it, wait for them to go inside and then close the gate. And that they only go in the enclosure when the dragons aren't in there. So Yeah. Because that is smart. Why would you go in there? <laughs> no. At my local zoo, they do that exact thing with the honey badgers. Yeah. So I can imagine they probably do the same thing with the Komodo dragons. Yeah, you should do that with any dangerous animal. Absolutely. Just crazy, crazy people. My goodness, humans. Crazy people and crazy animals. Komodo dragons are weird and gross. They are weird and gross, but they are really cool. And I have they to are. say, when they don't have, you know, strands of saliva hanging out of their mouth, they are quite beautiful. I mean, don't you think they're a pretty lizard, you know? They're, they look like a, they look like a throwback to the dinosaur era. They look like they des they Ooh, yeah. survived whatever comet hit the earth or whatever happened, whatever yeah. mass extinction event that befell the dinosaurs. It looks like that they they managed to survive it. They're pretty cool. I'm fascinated by animals like that. Well, they're a pretty little. I mean, they're not little, but they're. I think they're an attractive looking lizard. I think they're pretty pretty neat looking. You know. And the way they walk is really neat. It's just like, junk, junk. they definitely look prehistoric. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think they're great and amazing. They're just gross. So. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. The 
Varmints podcast is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. As always, thank you guys. This week's Rugrat Corner, Liam and Noah have something to say about Komodo dragons. Just tell me what you think about the Komodo dragon. I like it. You do? Did you want to ride one? Yes. You want to get on the back and ride it like a horse? Liam, what would you do if the Komodo dragon licked you in the face? I would just lick them back. <laughs> That's a good idea. Hey, Noah, what would you do if the Komodo dragon licked you in the face? Okay, back. You, you would lick it back too? Mm-hmm. Noah, do you think you could ride a Komodo dragon? Uh-huh. Okay. Do they go really fast? They go so fast. They run really fast, even though they're big. They go like this fast? <laughs> okay, just for the record, you just ran down the hallway and back, and you were really fast. And you know what? I think they go at least that fast, if not faster. Okay. Hey, Liam, thanks for talking to me about Komodo dragons. You're welcome. Hey, Noah, thank you for talking to me about Komodo dragons. You're welcome. All right, see you later. So thanks, Liam and Noah, and thank you to their dad. Oh, they're so cute. They are. They're the best. So we want to thank the Toph from the Gravity Beard podcast as well, because those are his two boys, and they are wonderful. Thanks, yeah, thanks, Toph. It was awesome. That was so cool. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Studios. You don't have a cute little Komodo dragon song, do you? No. 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 Mm, I no will eat all my babies, babies. Oh, Jesus. I hope they can try <laughs> climb up in the trees, the trees. <laughs>